everybody. Welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. And boy, do we have a lot of things to talk about today. As always, we're going to talk about some news that came out of a meeting in the White House just last week, a little discussion of martial law, something I didn't anticipate that we would still be talking about. We're going to discuss whether or not Sidney Powell will become a special counsel looking into baseless claims of election fraud. And speaking of special counsels, we're going to be talking about Attorney General Bill Barr, his last remaining moments in office, and whether or not he's going to appoint a special counsel to do things like look into Hunter Biden. Today, as is so often the case, I have the treat of saying I'm here with my co-host, Joe Armstrong. Welcome and happy Christmas week to you. Thank you, Jessica. Happy uh, wrap-up of Hanukkah week to you and to everyone out there in podcast land. We appreciate you listening. It's the holiday season. I know a lot of people are checking out, but there is still news happening. So tune in to us. We're going to try to keep you updated on what's happening in our political and legal sphere in our country. So, Jessica, martial law seems like an odd topic to be talking about in the holiday season. Should we be talking about more important things like Saturnalia or trimming the tree or perhaps the Great Conjunction? Yes, and we buried the lead. Happy winter solstice. Who dislikes the lack of daylight more, me or you? That is a good question. The good news, though, Jessica, let's talk on the bright side here. Every day from here forward is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. You are the optimist out of the two of us. So that's my cue to talk about martial law. Now, why are we having this conversation? Because during an appearance on the conservative channel Newsmax this week, Former national security advisor who was convicted and then pardoned, Michael Flynn, pushed for President Trump to impose martial law and, quote, deploy the military to rerun the election. Now, to say that this is unique, to say that this is something we haven't talked about in the past is really an understatement. And the first thing to know is that there's no constitutional basis for doing this. And this is really another example of certain people in President Trump's inner circle saying, yeah, there's still a fight. We can still do things like declare martial law. And it's just not going to happen. Joe, should I go on? <laughs> Jessica, that meeting sounds like a humdinger of a meeting to have taken place in the Oval Office for any administration at any time. Talking about martial law in any capacity in the Oval Office sounds pretty drastic to me no matter when it takes place. Now, it sounds to me as if Donald Trump and his lawyers are still flailing. They're attempting in any matter possible to overturn what was, by all accounts, a free and fair election that we just all endured, for lack of a better word. Are there any other ways that Trump and his allies are trying to overturn the election or still trying to overturn the election or at least perhaps stoke the baseless claims of voter fraud? Yeah. I mean, one thing that apparently has been discussed based on reports is the idea that maybe there could be an executive order and the Department of Homeland Security, for instance, is ordered to seize voting machines. Now, this is really, again, extraordinary. I'm trying to think of synonyms for extraordinary and unique. How about bonkers? Bonkers is a fair and accurate one. Bananas? <laughs> um, that I'll have trouble spelling it, but that is also appropriate. And what we have to remember is, one, that elections are run in our country by states. 
and by localities. And the federal government really doesn't have all that much power. So even you know former members of the Department of Homeland Security have basically said, we don't belong here. And it's up to states to ask for help if they think they need help with their voting machines, and they haven't done so. So I think that's another non-starter. Maybe let's loop back to martial law for a minute just because I this question keeps coming up, and one of our listeners emailed me about this question. And what it means is the military takes over all civil functions of the government. There's been such a massive breakdown in the government that you have to call the military in. And on the federal level, it can be invoked by the president or Congress. And on the state level, it can be invoked by a governor in that governor's territory, in that state. And it means that really our government becomes unrecognizable. And it means we can even suspend things like habeas corpus, for instance, which very generally is uh, the judiciary's review of law enforcement and more specifically has to do with your right to have a moment in front of a judge if you're charged with crimes and that you just can't be charged and held indefinitely, for instance. So when have we seen martial law? In really extraordinary cases, think about the Pearl Harbor attack. There was martial law in Hawaii. Think about um, the earthquake in San Francisco, the large earthquake almost 100 years ago. Martial law just was declared for a period of time. Think about the mob response to the Freedom Riders in Montgomery, Alabama. Martial law was declared for a period of time. Martial law is not declared based on a free and fair election. And thank you for indulging me, Joe. We've I've gotten this question a couple times, and it just I think it's important for people to understand how truly drastic it is. Yeah, I agree. It's something we don't say lightly. Now, I'd like to add a public service announcement from Joe Armstrong, if you will allow me to refer to myself in the third person. This is a very, very important point. And I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, but I see a lot of people misspelling martial law on the social media, on the socials, as I like to say. And this prompts me to be even more concerned since they don't know what the difference of what it is. I think they should know how to spell it before they know it's something that should be deployed in our country. This is not something to be taken lightly. You know, out of the two of us, I am not the one who can throw stones when it comes to spelling. So I'm glad that you did that. And we talked about the fact that it's extraordinary that we're having this conversation. And then the idea that the Department of Homeland Security should somehow be involved in seizing voting machines. I mean, all of this really is extraordinary. And I think we should talk about who else was apparently in that White House meeting, which again, brings up some extraordinary questions, which is Sidney Powell. So we hear her name a lot. Um, who is she? Why does she matter? Thank you, Jessica. Now, Sidney Powell is a former federal prosecutor. Powell prosecuted Jimmy Charga, who was implicated for the assassination of United States District Judge John H. Wood in 1979. Pretty serious case there. After establishing her own firm in about 1993, she represented some executives in the Enron scandal. Remember that? And more recently, she defended disgraced former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Now, she was also in that meeting on Friday night. She uh, defended him in 2019. More recently, still, she has made a name for herself by advising the Trump administration in the aftermath of the 2020 election. We've seen her in press conferences, and it's been some kind of crazy pants stuff we've heard out of her. Now, she's been insisting that the election, which was in reality won by Joe Biden, 
and Kamala Harris that this election was being stolen by Democrats after unsubstantiated claims of massive fraud. Now, that's a key point that we're going to come back to in a minute. Now, this is the stuff of fantasy, so much so that the Donald Trump legal team at one point, believe it or not, distanced themselves from her. But she continued to file election lawsuits just the same, ultimately losing four in district courts in Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. But like so many other things in this fall year, there is no such thing as too crazy for 2020. Now, here is the elephant in the room for this Friday night meeting, which is QAnon. We've heard that kind of bounced around in social circles, Internet circles. This is an online website that does these things called Q drops with some pretty crazy uh, conspiracy theory stuff here. Now, Sidney Powell is a vocal supporter of QAnon, and these theories have ingratiated her to Donald Trump to the extent that she was involved in that Friday night meeting with Michael Flynn in the Oval Office, I have to remind everyone. Among her most recent greatest hits have been claiming that her former client, Michael Flynn, was framed by some kind of deep state conspiracy, and she has vocally parroted the QAnon globalist accusations that involve some of the usual suspects, George Soros, Hugo Chavez, the Clinton Foundation, and repeatedly stating, without proof of any kind, that voting machines built by a company called Dominion have somehow transferred millions of votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden, thereby giving Joe Biden the election. Now, she's found fertile ground in which to sow her accusations. A November poll revealed that as many as 70 percent of Republicans espoused the belief that there was widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. That's a sobering number there. Now, after that failed lawsuit in Michigan, the city of Detroit went so far as to ask a federal judge to sanction Sidney Powell for, quote, frivolously undermining the people's faith in the democratic process and their trust in our government. So, Jessica, as I've been saying, nothing to see here, obviously. Obviously. Um I there's I literally was rendered speechless. Just, you know, we hear about Sidney Powell on a daily basis, but then having you recount everything that she's been involved with and all of the really bizarre conspiracy theories that she's peddled is pretty stunning. And Dominion Voting Machines is pushing back. And they have said you need to retract your statements. And in fact, they've said it amounts to defamation per se. Now, allow me to put my law professor hat on for a moment. Defamation basically requires four things. You need a false statement of fact, so not an opinion. So the difference being, I think there was massive voter fraud as opposed to there was massive voter fraud. Uh, You need to tell somebody that statement, which, of course, she has. And then you need to at least have a reasonable person would at least think, is that statement really true? You have to be on some level of notice that there's a problem with the truth of the statement. And somebody needs to be harmed, in this case, Dominion. Now, it might sound like, okay, well, that's kind of a slam dunk defamation case. But lawyers are treated differently when it comes to defamation in some states. Defamation is handled by state law. It's not, it doesn't come under federal law. And in most states, Lawyers are allowed to announce the positions of their clients, and they cannot be sued for defamation based on the position of your client. So the question really becomes, is she speaking on her own behalf, or is she making the statement in the context of advocating for a client? If she is, then at least in some states, she's going to be protected. Now, of course... Sidney Powell was floated in this meeting. President Trump apparently, reports indicate, floated her 
as a special counsel looking into election fraud, you know, which is like appointing President Nixon to be in charge of a presidential commission on ethics and morality. I mean, again, I have no words to describe this. And um, this probably brings us to the last moments of Attorney General Barr's uh, time as the Attorney General for the second time. Absolutely. Now, Jessica, speaking of baseless accusations of election fraud on a recent episode of Passing Judgment, you and I discussed Attorney General Bill Barr's surprise resignation. It seems like it was so long ago, but it wasn't that long ago. I think it was just last week. Now, although Bill Barr has aligned himself with Donald Trump on many occasions, he has from time to time contradicted the president. So which way did Barr come down on election fraud in this case, Jessica? Has the outgoing AG supported these claims? He hasn't. Now, he hasn't been as vocal as I think reality would dictate, but he has said that they have not uncovered any evidence of widespread election fraud. And this apparently contributed to the rift uh, between the president and Attorney General Barr. And he has also said there's no basis for appointing a special counsel that would investigate voter fraud. Of course, this completely, you know, cuts the heart out of President Trump's claims that there's been systemic voter fraud and that millions of votes were stolen. Again, we're trying to find even 15 votes that were stolen, and we've not been able to uncover that. Now, exactly. Barr's on his way, packing up his stuff into his box pecking up that talking fish thing he keeps behind his desk that sings the song. But at this point, with Bill Barr's remaining time as attorney general, it can be now measured in a matter of hours. Did he say anything else on his way out the door? You really got me with the talking fish. So what else did he say here? He has contradicted President Trump in a number of important ways. So we talked about this on an episode last week. There was a big cyber breach, cyber attack, essentially all of the professionals in the room have said, we think it's Russia. Attorney General Barr said, you know what, I think it's Russia. And this contradicts President Trump, who again has gone against the professionals, has gone against the experts. And he has also said, Attorney General Barr has also said, I don't see a basis for appointing a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden. Apparently, he's under investigation by the Department of Justice um, for tax evasion or tax fraud. The other thing that Attorney General Barr did not do when it came to Hunter Biden is he didn't say before the election, oh, the Department of Justice is looking into Hunter Biden. And that actually is entirely appropriate under Department of Justice regulations, which very generally kind of say, don't touch politics right before an election. Now, President-elect Biden, when he gets in office, may become under significant pressure to appoint a special counsel to look into his son just so there's total separation between his Department of Justice and that investigation. So we'll have to see on that. The other thing, the last thing that I think we'll talk about today for Attorney General Barr is there, of course, has been an investigation into the 2016 investigation, meaning that U.S. Attorney John Durham was looking into the FBI's probe of the 2016 campaign. Again, the investigation into the investigation. And Barr did not release the information, the results of that investigation thus far before the election, which Trump really wanted him to do. So Jeffrey Rosen will replace 
Attorney General Barr. I think he has about 28 days in that position. And so we'll have to see how much power the president exerts over Jeffrey Rosen because the president alone cannot wave a magic wand and appoint a special counsel. It has to be something that's done in concert with the attorney general. The special counsel is there to investigate a person or an issue um, when it really shouldn't be done by federal prosecutors or the Department of Justice because there might be some sort of conflict of interest. So those are Attorney General Barr's probably last greatest hits. And um, I think he has about a day and a half left in office. Now, Jessica, all these things come together, leaving me with a big question. Do you think Bill Barr is going to receive a Christmas card from the Trumps this Christmas? I know that if President Trump does send out a card. I suspect it will not say Happy Holidays. It will say Merry Christmas. Will he get one? I have a feeling that depends on the White House staff. It's fun to think about. Now, let's all remember 30 days until the inauguration. There's a lot to talk about between then and now, and there will be even more to talk about after. There's a new sheriff in town, and there will be a lot of ways that we try and, frankly, retrofit our country and fortify it um, over the next few years. Joe, thank you as always for doing this. Thank you, Jessica. Always happy to talk about these things with you. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will talk to you tomorrow. Perfect. You can find me on Twitter at Levinson Jessica, the show on Twitter at Past Judgment Pod, Joe Armstrong across the socials, as he says, on In Depth Day. And we wish everyone a great day.